Thank you for listening to the podcast from Modesto Foursquare Church. You can always find more information on our church at www.modestofoursquare.com. And we meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 510 Bernie Street, Modesto. We hope that this podcast encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We were dead and now we're alive, right? That moment when we were in darkness and, and now we got entered into his light, right? When we fell in love with our first love, right, that's been loving us all along and drawing us in and we found hope and freedom and joy for the very first time in our life and his name is Jesus, right? Remember that moment? I love Acts 4.12 describes the salvation moment. It says, salvation is found in no one else and there is no other name under heaven given by mankind with which we must be saved, right? It's all about Jesus, right? There's no other God, right? Sometimes we act as if we're the God of our lives, but we're not. It's Jesus, right? He's the only Savior in our lives. He, he was and is Jesus the Savior that changed it all. And this morning, we're going to look at the salvation moment in the life of Zacchaeus, as I mentioned, and, and the lessons in which this passage produces for us, the things that it, it says to us. We talked about that in Sunday schools as well this morning and just how the Lord speaks to us through his scriptures, right? It's alive and it's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword and it's, it's used for equipping and training and teaching and preparing and rebuking and correcting, right? All those things. And so we're going to allow the word to speak to us this morning. Is that okay, church? And, and let's see what the Lord might want to say to us. So let's start here in verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and could not see over the crowd. Anybody have that problem? Couldn't, can't see over the crowd? Any shorties in the house? He ran, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount." Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so we find Jesus entering the town of Jericho with his disciples when he just happens to bump into Zacchaeus, right? We know that Jesus doesn't bump into anybody, right? There's, he, he's got a mission here. There's things for him to do. And so there are so many interesting things I think about this story as I was studying it out this week and this city and, and, and even Zacchaeus that I want to explore together. First, Jericho was known as an affluent city with great wealth and prestige. It was affectionately called the City of Palms, which I think tends to mean that there was wealth there. I think maybe the more palms you have, the richer you are. So if anybody has any palms in their house, you must be a rich person, all right? So... But this reminds me of the book of Mark, chapter 10, and verse 25, that says, It is easier for, the, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Tough words, right? Tough words for the rich to inherit salvation in their lives. And, and I would say, 
comparatively to the rest of the world, we are, we are rich, right? We are rich. Even the poorest of the poor in the United States, we are like super rich, right? Comparatively to the rest of the world. And I think this is part of the reason that it can be so challenging to lead people to the Lord in places like the United States and Europe, right? We often think we have life together. We have money in the bank, no matter how small that might be. We have roofs over our heads and we have the allure of wealth. We have the lie of physical resource. And this makes us think that we don't need God. But this couldn't be further from the truth as we see in Luke 19. We are all desperately in need of a Savior and his name is Jesus. And so Jesus enters this wealthy city and engages with one of its wealthiest and most notorious citizens, Zacchaeus. Yes, I said notorious, and this is not a good thing, right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector, but not just any tax collector. He was the chief tax collector in this city. He is the boss of all the tax collectors in this wealthy and prosperous city. And he would have been a hated figure. He would have been despised. He would have been seen as a criminal and an outlaw because he was. Zacchaeus said his nature was a criminal, right? You see, as much as we all hate the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board and paying our taxes, maybe some of you love it out there, but for the rest of us who don't like seeing those big chunks coming out of our checks, right? Um, Seems like too much. Zacchaeus was doing something on a whole nother level, right? He would have been doing something they called tax farming is the is the, what they would have called it, which would have meant he would increase someone's tax bill over and above what Rome was asking for. For example, if my tax bill was $10, Zacchaeus would make me pay $15 and put $5 in his pocket, right? And then he would encourage all the other tax collectors that worked under him to do this. It was a pyramid scheme here. And, and he would take a portion of what they were stealing from you and put it in his own pocket as well, right? Zacchaeus was not a good guy, right, by his nature. He was stealing from the people of Jericho. And as we look at this passage, it's clear that Jesus came into Jericho for this one sinful tax collector of a man. We don't see that he performs any other miracles here. He doesn't speak in the synagogue in Jericho. He came here for Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus only, right? He had a mission. He wasn't here on accident. And this reminds me of 2 Peter 3, 9, which says, describes the loving heart of, of God for those who are lost without him. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise and returning to us, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Aren't you glad that God is patient with us? Not wanting that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance, Right? And many of us, including myself, might have written Zacchaeus off or the Zacchaeuses of the world off, right? They're too far gone from God, right? They're, they're too sinful. They're too broken. They're too much of this or too much of that, right? How could God possibly reach somebody like Zacchaeus, right? But he doesn't desire that any of us should perish without him, but all come to know the love of their Savior, right? Don't you love that? Doesn't it speak to what we read around Christmas time in Luke 2, verses 10 through 11? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, right? 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. All people, not some people, not the good people, not the anybody who's not a tax collector people, not the people who only sin a little bit, not the people who do these things or do those things or look good on the outside. All people. God came for all people. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we were all Zacchaeuses at some point. We were all broken, wretched sinners. And we were good at it, right? Zacchaeus was good at it. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was the boss, right? We were all at some point really good at sin. And we were just like Zacchaeus. And God rescued us. And he reached us. And he came into the Jerichos of our lives just for us to get us and to connect with us and to love us and to draw us into relationship. And so I'm getting a little ahead of myself this morning, but getting back to the story, we see this tax collector, Zacchaeus, seeking out Jesus. He had probably heard the stories that were floating around the area about Jesus' great miracles and signs and wonders. But I think it was more than that. I think it was more than just chasing the miracle. It was more than just chasing the supernatural. I think our IRS agent here had heard that the Savior had made a habit of loving and receiving guys like him, right? He had a habit of welcoming people to the table like Zacchaeus, the best of the sinners or the worst of the sinners, depending on how you might want to look at it. But he went into cities and he found the Zacchaeuses of those cities and he connected with them and he loved them, right? And he offered them a seat at the table, right? When no one else would offer them that. Do you know that the name Zacchaeus actually in the original language means pure one, right? Isn't that an interesting name for a guy like Zacchaeus? This man was anything but pure. But you see, the Lord realized that he had an unrealized destiny and calling upon his life that he did not even know about yet. How many of us would say that of ourselves? We had an unrealized destiny and calling upon our lives that we didn't even have any glimpse of before we met Jesus. And then he starts peeling it off. And we're like, oh, wow. God's called me to do this. Or he's opened this door for my life. Or he's opened this opportunity. You see, in his sinfulness and his brokenness, Zacchaeus simply longed to see Jesus. It didn't say he longed to talk with Jesus or even spend time with Jesus. He just thought, if I could just see this Jesus that I've heard about, that something will change in my life. If I could just see him, right? It reminds me of the, of the woman who, who, who has the illness and and she, she's in the crowd. You remember the story? And she, she goes and she just says, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. I don't need him to talk with me. I don't need him to pray with me. I don't need him to do anything magnificent. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be healed, right? Isn't that the power of Jesus? Right? That we don't have to pray all the right things or say all the right things or whatever, right? Sometimes we think that there's this magical one, two, three formula for you know, we're going to, we just put our quarter in the machine and we just, if we turn it just right, God's going to spit out what we want, right? It has to do with none of that. Whatever God does in his life because he does it in us. Not because we beep, boop, beep, boop the right things, right? 
and do the right things before the Lord. Zacchaeus just longed to see Jesus. One theologian describes it this way. Zacchaeus sought Jesus so intensely, he didn't mind doing something that many thought was beneath the dignity of a grown, wealthy man. He climbed up a sycamore tree. Like a child, Zacchaeus climbed the tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus, just to see him. Another theologian says it this way. I love this. I wish there were more of us who did not mind being laughed at if only what we did helped us to see Jesus. Are we willing to be laughed at to just see Jesus, right? To do things his way, right? This reminds me of Matthew 18, 3, where Jesus says, And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I love Zacchaeus' childlike attitude. He did whatever it took to see Jesus. He laid it all down to meet the Savior of the world. He, He did not care what people thought of him. He did not care the people who worked for him. He did not care what the people in the city thought of him. He just wanted to see Jesus. And when he did this, I believe that Jesus did three things for Zacchaeus, three powerful things. Number one, Jesus saw him. Number two, Jesus connected with him. And number three, Jesus embraced Zacchaeus. Jesus wasn't too busy, right? How many of us are sometimes too busy to do the things that God is asking us to do, right? Oh, I I can't stop and talk to so-and-so because I have too many things to do. I had a young man who who showed up, um, and this isn't anything on me. Please don't take it as any pat on my back because I was annoyed about it at the time. Um, but there's a, there's a group of pastors that pray here on Wednesdays, and they've been doing that for, I don't know, a thousand years or something, but for a long, long time, and it's awesome. Um, but they, uh, one of them comes up to my office, and I'm working on my message actually for next week, and, and uh, I'm right in the middle of it, and, and he just says, hey, there's a, there's a man downstairs, and, and he's kind of joined our prayer meeting, <laughs> and he's homeless, and, and, and could you, would you come down and talk with him? And I said, of course. And so I came down and, and, you know, I was annoyed. I was right in the middle of a thought. You know, you, you're like getting on a roll and you're like, you know, I'm typing away and you're all ready to go. And so I come down and, and I meet this man and, and, and we, we're sitting at one of the cafe tables downstairs and he, he asked me to share my testimony and I shared a little bit of my testimony with him and just prayed with him. And, and, and then, you know, he asked if... Um, uh, I had a place for him to stay, and I said, well, there's this really great place. It's called the Gospel Rescue Mission, and here's their phone number. And, you know, and, and he, said, uh, he said, well, I've been there before. And I said, well, you need to go back there um, because there's a good eight or ten people in my church uh, every Sunday morning who, who stuck it out of that place, and God changed their life. And so all the things that you're worried about, and this, this isn't exactly how I want it, and da 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 it's all those things. You need to let all those things go, and you need to get your butt back down to the Gospel Rescue Mission. Because I'm telling you, if you stick it out down there, God's going to change your life. And, um, which he didn't love that uh, conversation, but that's okay. Um, sometimes you can't always say the nice things, right? You got to say the, the real things. Um, and then I gave him a couple gift cards to grab some lunch and, and uh, prayed with him. And, and then he proceeded to, to spend a, a considerable amount of time in our restroom, which I sat downstairs. But it, it took me about 30 or 45 minutes of good sermon prep time, right, to sit with this guy. And I'm a pastor. I, I should know better, right? I should feel better about it. But in the moment, I was annoyed. I'm like, when is this guy going to be done, you know? 
But how many of us would say that of ourselves, right? That we're just, we miss what God is doing because we're too busy with the things that are really important, right? And what was important in that moment is that I spent time with this young man in our lobby and loved him. And he knew that, that this place, 510 Bernie Street, these people, they love him, right? By extension of me loving him, you were loving him. By extension of me giving him a gift card for Jack in the Box, you were giving him a gift card for Jack in the Box so we'd have something to eat that night. By extension of me giving him that phone number, you're giving him that phone number so that he can know where to go, where he can get his life right with Jesus and, and in general, right? Jesus wasn't too busy for Zacchaeus. Jesus is never too busy for any of us, right? He was actually in there, in that city for that man and his friends, right? The Lord made space and time to really look into the heart of Zacchaeus and, and the life of this tax collector and this really good sinner, Right? I think many of us think that Jesus would spend a lot of time in our churches. And I think he wouldn't spend much time here. I think he'd spend a lot of time down on 9th Street or, or down in, the, in, in these areas down by, the, down by the creek. Or I think he'd spend a lot of time with people who don't know anything. He'd be finding the Zacchaeus. He'd go down, you know, to find the most notorious sinners. And I think he'd spend time with them, Right? And so the Lord made space for this man. He, he really connected with Zacchaeus. He did not just want to convert him. Jesus wanted to know him. Right? I want to say that again. Jesus did not want to just convert Zacchaeus. Jesus wanted to know him. And sometimes for us, church, I think we're really focused on converting people. Right? And Jesus wants us to know them. Conversion is important. Right? Salvation is important. But Jesus made a point of knowing him before he saved him, right? This reminds me of Luke, uh, the passage in Luke 19, verse 5. The Lord even invited himself over to the man's house to meet his friends. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. I must, right? Jesus truly included Zacchaeus in the family of God. He shared a meal together. When we look at the scriptures, when we really look at the, at the full length from Genesis to Revelation, one of the most spiritual things you can do on planet earth is to have a meal with somebody. It's not to have a Bible study. Bible studies are great. It's not to have a worship service. Those are wonderful. But the most spiritual thing you see Jesus do over and over and over again is have a meal with somebody, to sit at somebody's table, to break bread with them, Right? And enjoy their company. And again, remind ourselves that it's not about converting. It's about knowing, right? And so Jesus did not keep his distance from this man. But he truly embraced him in his brokenness and in his salvation, right? So Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He connected with Zacchaeus. And he embraced Zacchaeus. How many of us would say that Jesus has seen us and he has connected with us? And he has embraced us, right? And we see this sinful man respond with this ultimate heart of surrender. How many of us would say this? This, this, is a, this is no joke what Zacchaeus is talking about. In verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, which he had cheated a lot of people out of a lot of things, I will pay them back four times the amount, right? Isn't that transformation? When we say, God, you take all my stuff, right? That's true transformation. When we surrender all of what we have, all of our wealth to the Lord, 
He laid his life, his possessions, his career, his family, everything he had at the feet of Jesus. And he said, here I am, I belong to you, right? You've changed me from death to life. I love that. In an instant, our Savior Jesus can and will change everything. I, I have plenty of stories of friends that were addicts, and they met Jesus, and it just gone in an instant, right? Not for everyone. Sometimes that's a process, right? Or maybe they were, I've, I've known a lot of people who were foul-mouthed, right? And they met Jesus, and boom, they didn't even want to cuss anymore, right? Those things, like Jesus can just break them off, right? He can do those things in our lives, and he does do that. And that's what happened for Zacchaeus. Jesus changed his identity. He changed his desires. His desire was to be wealthy, and now he didn't care about any of that. Most likely, Zacchaeus following Jesus in this way would have meant he had to surrender his entire profession, everything he knew, to serve the Lord. He couldn't be the chief of all tax collectors because he wouldn't be good at it anymore, right? He can change our fears into joy. He can change our lostness into foundness. He can turn our death into life. He changes everything in this moment. And so I ask you again, church, this morning, do you remember when the Lord did this transformation in you? Do you remember the moment that you first met Christ? I think it's important to regularly reflect back to our initial and continuous need for a Savior, right? Sometimes we get big heads, church. We think we know this Jesus and we got it together and we're doing most of the right things and we don't think we need God anymore. And then we start to look down on the people who do need God. And we need to bring ourselves back to that reality that we were all Zacchaeuses and we are still Zacchaeuses and we're only something because he's something, right? We need to be reminded of that, church. We need to be grounded in the reality that we are nothing without Jesus. And this reminds us that we're all a work in progress, right? That God continues this work throughout our lives since that moment that we met him. And it reminds us that we're no better than anyone else. It keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it helps us remain rooted and grounded in who he is, right? Not who we are. That he is our source of all life. That's it. End of story. We all need Jesus. That's the unifier of humanity, right? The unifier of humanity is this world stinks and we all need Jesus, right? When we say that's the truth? So where do we go from here, church? What do we do with this message of this reality that Jesus is Savior? Number one, take time to remember the moment that Jesus saw you, connected with you, and embraced you as he did Zacchaeus. Never lose sight of your need for a Savior. Without him, we are nothing. We never stop needing the saving grace of Jesus in our lives, right? There's nothing like parenthood to teach me that, like every moment of every day, right? That I need a Savior because I am not doing it right, (laughs) you know? Number two, continue to seek Christ as a child. Continue to grow in the Lord. Never stop pursuing him. Don't let what you do not understand about God keep you from, to keep you from putting your whole faith in him, right? Don't let what we, what we don't grasp about the scriptures keep us from embracing the simple truth that we need a savior, right? Embrace the Lord and allow him to sort out your questions as you walk with him, right? And he will. 
Bring your stuff before God. He, he listens to us, right? He knows what we're going through. He knows what we're facing. He knows the questions we have in our minds. And he's, he's got a whole lifetime to sort those things out with us. And then we have eternity where he's going to sort it out even more, right? Isn't that awesome? Number three, remember that God wants to make room for more children at the table. We must not become so religious that we forget about the saving grace of Jesus. We must not create an environment that says us and no more, right? We must be reminded that God is constantly drawing people to himself and welcoming them into his family. I've heard many say in this church and other churches, I really want our church to say small. But I think the Lord would want to make space, our space, be filled over and over and over and over and over again with souls that are being reached by the love of Jesus. Yeah. Small church is, is, is small vision, I think. Not that we want to grow to a megachurch, that's not my heart. But if we're not growing, then we're not reaching people, right? And so shouldn't we want this place to be filled over and over and over and over and have a thousand services or a million services or whatever? I don't know, that's way too many, but... Because God is drawing people to himself, right? And we can't explain it. We don't understand it. He's just doing it. It's not because we have the best of anything. It's because God, right? So at this point, I'm going to have the worship team come back up and lead us in a final song. And as we do that, I want to pray for us this morning, church. I want to offer to anybody this morning that, that maybe you're hearing this message of the gospel. Maybe it's the hundredth time you've heard it. Maybe it's the first time you've heard it. But all of us have that moment when we met Jesus, right? And so maybe that moment for you is today. Maybe it's, I don't know what day of the week it is. I guess Sunday, but I mean, it's the 15th of January. Maybe, maybe the 15th of January, 2023 is your, is your salvation moment. And so I want to open that up this morning. Why don't we close our eyes, church, and Bow our heads. And if for you this morning you've heard this, this story of the gospel, this story of Zacchaeus and this really good sinner, and, and, and you want to meet this Jesus that you've never encountered before for the very first time, I'd just like you to slip your hand up and I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pass this moment by if there's anybody here who hasn't met Jesus that wants to this morning. right. For the rest of us, I want to pray over us in a moment. This reality that none of us has it together, right? Isn't that freeing? None of us have it together. We never did and we never will. But Jesus welcomes us just as we are and spends the rest of our lifetime molding us into who he wants us to be. And so Jesus, we pray that you would remind us daily of the story of when we first met you of our need for a Savior, that we never stop needing you every day of our lives. And into eternity, we never stop needing you, God. We, we're going to need you forever and ever and ever in all time, God. And let us, as Jesus does in this passage, make room at the table, God, for the notorious and the really great sinners that are all around us, God. Let us have the problem of too much space because so many people are giving their hearts to Jesus that our church is growing and growing and growing and growing. 
because you are doing something spectacular in our midst, God. Let us be conduits of your love. Let us be lights in the darkness. Let this space at 510 Bernie Street be used for your kingdom, God, in a new and a fresh way, Lord. Let us see you work by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives to draw all people to yourself, God, to this good news that you offer us. We thank you and we praise you for your love and your mercy and your kindness towards us, God. We receive it this morning and we, we just, we love you so much, God, and we just want to be used by you, Lord. We offer all of ourselves back to you and we say, God, do with us what you will. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, church, and we'll, we'll sing this last song. We were dead and now we're alive, right? That moment when we were in darkness and, and now we got entered into his light, right? When we fell in love with our first love, right, that's been loving us all along and drawing us in and we found hope and freedom and joy for the very first time in our life. And his name is Jesus, right? Remember that moment? I love Acts 4.12 describes the salvation moment. It says, salvation is found in no one else and there is no other name under heaven given by mankind with which we must be saved, right? It's all about Jesus, right? There's no other God, right? Sometimes we act as if we're the God of our lives, but we're not. It's Jesus, right? He's the only Savior in our lives. He, he was and is Jesus the Savior that changed it all. And this morning, we're going to look at the salvation moment in the life of Zacchaeus, as I mentioned, and, and the lessons in which this passage produces for us, the things that it, it says to us. We talked about that in Sunday schools as well this morning, and just how the Lord speaks to us through his scriptures, right? It's alive, and it's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's, it's used for equipping, and training, and teaching, and preparing, and rebuking, and correcting, right? All those things. And so, we're going to allow the word to speak to us this morning. Is that okay, church? And, and let's see what the Lord might want to say to us. So let's start here in verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and could not see over the crowd. Anybody have that problem? Couldn't, can't see over the crowd? Any shorties in the house? He ran, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And, I have, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so we find Jesus entering the town of Jericho with his disciples when he just happens to bump into Zacchaeus, right? We know that Jesus doesn't bump into anybody, right? There's, he, he's got a mission here. There's things for him to do. And so there are so many interesting things I think about this story as I was studying it out this week and this city and, and, and even Zacchaeus that I want to explore together. First, Jericho was known as an affluent city with great wealth and prestige. It was affectionately called the City of Palms, which I think 
tends to mean that there was wealth there. I think maybe the more palms you have, the richer you are. So if anybody has any palms in their house, you must be a rich person, all right? So, but this reminds me of the book of Mark, chapter 10, in verse 25, that says, it is easier for, the, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Tough words, right? Tough words for the rich to inherit salvation in their lives. And, and I would say, comparatively to the rest of the world, we are, we are rich, right? We are rich. Even the poorest of the poor in the United States, we are, like, super rich, right, comparatively to the rest of the world. And I think this is part of the reason that it can be so challenging to lead people to the Lord in places like the United States and Europe, right? We often think we have life together. We have money in the bank, no matter how small that might be. We have roofs over our heads, and we have the allure of wealth. We have the lie of physical resource, and this makes us think that we don't need God. But this couldn't be further from the truth as we see in Luke 19. We are all desperately in need of a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And so Jesus enters this wealthy city and engages with one of its wealthiest and most notorious citizens, Zacchaeus. Yes, I said notorious, and this is not a good thing, right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector, but not just any tax collector. He was the chief tax collector in this city. He is the boss of all the tax collectors in this wealthy and prosperous city. And he would have been a hated figure. He would have been despised. He would have been seen as a criminal and an outlaw because he was. Zacchaeus said his nature was a criminal, right? You see, as much as we all hate the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board and paying our taxes, maybe some of you love it out there, but for the rest of us who don't like seeing those big chunks coming out of our checks, right? Um, seems like too much. Zacchaeus was doing something on a whole nother level, right? He would have been doing something they called tax farming is, the, is the, what they would have called it which would have meant he would increase someone's tax bill over and above what Rome was asking for. For example, if my tax bill was $10, Zacchaeus would make me pay $15 and put $5 in his pocket, right? And then he would encourage all the other tax collectors that worked under him to do this. It was a pyramid scheme here. And, and he would take a portion of what they were stealing from you and put it in his own pocket as well, right? Zacchaeus was not a good guy, Right? By his nature, he was stealing from the people of Jericho. And as we look at this passage, it's clear that Jesus came into Jericho for this one sinful tax collector of a man. We don't see that he performs any other miracles here. He doesn't speak in the synagogue in Jericho. He came here for Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus only, right? He had a mission. He wasn't here on accident, and this reminds me of 2 Peter 3, 9, which says, describes the loving heart of, of God for those who are lost without him. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise and, and returning to us, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Aren't you glad that God is patient with us? Not wanting that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance, right? And many of us, including myself, might have written Zacchaeus off or the Zacchaeuses of the world off, right? They're too far gone from God, right? They're, they're too sinful. They're too broken. They're too much of this or too much of that, right? 
how could God possibly reach somebody like Zacchaeus, right? But he doesn't desire that any of us should perish without him, but all come to know the love of their Savior, right? Don't you love that? Doesn't it speak to what we read around Christmas time in Luke 2, verses 10 through 11? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, right? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. All people, not some people, not the good people, not the anybody who's not a tax collector people, not the people who only sin a little bit, not the people who do these things or do those things or look good on the outside. All people. God came for all people. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we were all Zacchaeuses at some point. We were all broken, wretched sinners. And we were good at it, right? Zacchaeus was good at it. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was the boss, right? We were all at some point really good at sin. And we were just like Zacchaeus. And God rescued us. And he reached us. And he came into the Jerichos of our lives just for us to get us and to connect with us and to love us and to draw us into relationship. And so I'm getting a little ahead of myself this morning, but getting back to the story, we see this tax collector, Zacchaeus, seeking out Jesus. He had probably heard the stories that were floating around the area about Jesus' great miracles and signs and wonders. But I think it was more than that. I think it was more than just chasing the miracle. It was more than just chasing the supernatural. I think our IRS agent here had heard that the Savior had made a habit of loving and receiving guys like him, right? He had a habit of welcoming people to the table like Zacchaeus, the best of the sinners or the worst of the sinners, depending on how you might want to look at it. But he went into cities and he found the Zacchaeuses of those cities and he connected with them and he loved them, right? And he offered them a seat at the table, right? When no one else would offer them that. Do you know that the name Zacchaeus actually in the original language means pure one, right? Isn't that an interesting name for a guy like Zacchaeus? This man was anything but pure. But you see, the Lord realized that he had an unrealized destiny and calling upon his life that he did not even know about yet. How many of us would say that of ourselves? We had an unrealized destiny and calling upon our lives that we didn't even have any glimpse of before we met Jesus. And then he starts peeling it off. And we're like, oh, wow, God's called me to do this, or he's opened this door for my life, or he's opened this opportunity You see, in his sinfulness and his brokenness, Zacchaeus simply longed to see Jesus. It didn't say he longed to talk with Jesus or even spend time with Jesus. He just thought, if I could just see this Jesus that I've heard about, that something will change in my life. If I could just see him, right? It reminds me of the of the woman who, who, who has the illness and, and she, she's in the crowd. You remember the story? And she, she goes and she just says, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. I don't need him to talk with me. I don't need him to pray with me. I don't need him to do anything magnificent. If I could just touch 
the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be healed, right? Isn't that the power of Jesus, right? That we don't have to pray all the right things or say all the right things or whatever, right? Sometimes we think that there's this magical one, two, three formula for, you know, we're going to, we just put our quarter in the machine and we just, if we turn it just right, God's going to spit out what we want, right? Has to do with none of that. Whatever God does in his life because he does it in us. Not because we beep, boop, beep, boop the right things, right? And do the right things before the Lord. Zacchaeus just longed to see Jesus. One theologian describes it this way. Zacchaeus sought Jesus so intensely, he didn't mind doing something that many thought was beneath the dignity of a grown, wealthy man. He climbed up a sycamore tree. Like a child... Zacchaeus climbed the tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus, just to see him. Another theologian says it this way. I love this. I wish there were more of us who did not mind being laughed at if only what we did helped us to see Jesus. Are we willing to be laughed at to just see Jesus, right? To do things his way, right? This reminds me of Matthew 18, 3, where Jesus says, And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I love Zacchaeus' childlike attitude. He did whatever it took to see Jesus. He laid it all down to meet the Savior of the world. He, He did not care what people thought of him. He did not care the people who worked for him. He did not care what the people in the city thought of him. He just wanted to see Jesus. And when he did this, I believe that Jesus did three things for Zacchaeus, three powerful things. Number one, Jesus saw him. Number two, Jesus connected with him. And number three, Jesus embraced Zacchaeus. Jesus wasn't too busy, right? How many of us are sometimes too busy to do the things that God is asking us to do, right? Oh, I, oh, I can't stop and talk to so-and-so because I have too many things to do. I had a young man who, who showed up, um, and this isn't anything on me yet. Please don't take it as any pat on my back because I was annoyed about it at the time. Um, but there's a, there's a group of pastors that pray here on Wednesdays, and they've been doing that for, I don't know, a thousand years or something, but for a long, long time, and it's awesome, um, but they, uh, one of them comes up to my office, and I'm working on my message actually for next week, and, and uh, I'm right in the middle of it, and, and he just says, hey, there's a, there's a man downstairs, and, and he's kind of joined our prayer meeting, and he's homeless, and, and, and could you, would you come down and talk with him? And I said, of course. And so I came down, and, and you know, I was annoyed. I was right in the middle of a thought. You know, you, you're like getting on a roll, and you're like, you know, I'm typing away, and you're all ready to go. And so I come down, and and I meet this man, and, and, and we, we're sitting at one of the cafe tables downstairs, and he, he asked me to share my testimony, and I shared a little bit of my testimony with him and just prayed with him, and, and, and then, you know, he asked if um, uh, I had a place for him to stay, and I said, well, there's this really great place. It's called the Gospel Rescue Mission, and here's their phone number, and, you know, and, and he, said, uh, he said, well, I've been there before, and I said, well, you need to go back there um, because there's a good eight or 10 people in my church every Sunday morning who, who stuck it out of that place and God changed their life. And so all the things that you're worried about and this, this isn't exactly how I want it and da, 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 it's all those things. You need to let all those things go and you need to get your butt back down to the gospel rescue mission because I'm telling you, if you stick it out down there, God's going to change your life. And um, which he didn't love that uh, conversation, but that's okay. 
Um, sometimes you can't always say the nice things, right? You got to say the, the real things. Um, and then I gave him a couple gift cards to grab some lunch and, and uh, prayed with him. And, and then he proceeded to, to spend a, a considerable amount of time in our restroom, which I sat downstairs. But it, it took me about 30 or 45 minutes of good sermon prep time, right, to sit with this guy. And I'm a pastor. I, I should know better, right? I should feel better about it. But in the moment, I was annoyed. I'm like, when is this guy going to be done, you know? But how many of us would say that of ourselves, right, that we're just we miss what God is doing because we're too busy with the things that are really important, right? And what was important in that moment is that I spent time with this young man in our lobby and loved him, and he knew that, that this place, 510 Bernie Street, these people, they love him, right? By extension of me loving him, you were loving him. By extension of me giving him a gift card for Jack in the Box, you were giving him a gift card for Jack in the Box so we'd have something to eat that night. By extension of uh, me giving him that phone number, you're giving him that phone number so that he can know where to go, where he can get his life right with Jesus and, and in general, right? Jesus wasn't too busy for Zacchaeus. Jesus is never too busy for any of us, right? He was actually in there, in that city for that man and his friends, right? The Lord made space and time to really look into the heart of Zacchaeus and, and the life of this tax collector and this really good sinner, right? I think many of us think that Jesus would spend a lot of time in our churches. And I think he wouldn't spend much time here. I think he'd spend a lot of time down on 9th Street or, or down in, the, in, in these areas down by, the, down by the creek. Or I think he'd spend a lot of time with people who don't know anything. He'd be finding the Zacchaeus. He'd go down, you know, to find the most notorious sinners. And I think he'd spend time with them, Right? And so the Lord made space for this man. He, he really connected with Zacchaeus. He did not just want to convert him. Jesus wanted to know him. Right? I want to say that again. Jesus did not want to just convert Zacchaeus. Jesus wanted to know him. And sometimes for us, church, I think we're really focused on converting people. Right? And Jesus wants us to know them. Conversion is important. Right? Salvation is important. But Jesus made a point of knowing him before he saved him, right? This reminds me of Luke, uh, the passage in Luke 19, verse 5. The Lord even invited himself over to the man's house to meet his friends. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. I must, right? Jesus truly included Zacchaeus in the family of God. He shared a meal together. When we look at the scriptures, when we really look at the, at the full length from Genesis to Revelation, one of the most spiritual things you can do on planet earth is to have a meal with somebody. It's not to have a Bible study. Bible studies are great. It's not to have a worship service. Those are wonderful. But the most spiritual thing you see Jesus do over and over and over again is have a meal with somebody, to sit at somebody's table, to break bread with them, Right? And enjoy their company. And again, remind ourselves that it's not about converting. It's about knowing, right? And so Jesus did not keep his distance from this man. But he truly embraced him in his brokenness and in his salvation, right? So Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He connected with Zacchaeus. And he embraced Zacchaeus. How many of us would say that Jesus has seen us and he has connected with us? And he has embraced us, right? And we see this sinful man respond with this ultimate heart of surrender. How many of us would say this? This, this, is, a, this is no joke what Zacchaeus is talking about. 
In verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, which he had cheated a lot of people out of a lot of things, I will pay them back four times the amount, right? Isn't that transformation? When we say, God, you take all my stuff, right? That's true transformation. When we surrender all of what we have, all of our wealth to the Lord, he laid his life, his possessions, his career, his family, everything he had at the feet of Jesus. And he said, here I am, I belong to you, right? You've changed me from death to life. I love that. In an instant, our Savior Jesus can and will change everything. I I have plenty of stories of friends that were addicts, and they met Jesus, and it just gone in an instant, right? Not for everyone. Sometimes that's a process, right? Or maybe they were, I've I've known a lot of people who were foul-mouthed, right? And they met Jesus, and boom, they didn't even want to cuss anymore, right? Those things, like Jesus can just break them off, right? He can do those things in our lives, and he does do that. And that's what happened for Zacchaeus. Jesus changed his identity. He changed his desires. His desire was to be wealthy, and now he didn't care about any of that. Most likely, Zacchaeus following Jesus in this way would have meant he had to surrender his entire profession, everything he knew, to serve the Lord. He couldn't be the chief of all tax collectors because he wouldn't be good at it anymore, right? He can change our fears into joy. He can change our lostness into foundness. He can turn our death into life. He changes everything in this moment. And so I ask you again, church, this morning, do you remember when the Lord did this transformation in you? Do you remember the moment that you first met Christ? I think it's important to regularly reflect back to our initial and continuous need for a Savior, right? Sometimes we get big heads, church. We think we know this Jesus and we got it together and we're doing most of the right things and we don't think we need God anymore. And then we start to look down on the people who do need God. And we need to bring ourselves back to that reality that we were all Zacchaeuses and we are still Zacchaeuses and we're only something because he's something, right? We need to be reminded of that, church. We need to be grounded in the reality that we are nothing without Jesus. And this reminds us that we're all a work in progress, right? That God continues this work throughout our lives since that moment that we met him. And it reminds us that we're no better than anyone else. It keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it helps us remain rooted and grounded in who he is, right? Not who we are that he is our source of all life. That's it. End of story. We all need Jesus. That's the unifier of humanity, right? The unifier of humanity is this world stinks and we all need Jesus, right? Wouldn't we say that's the truth? So where do we go from here, church? What do we do with this message of this reality that Jesus is Savior? Number one, take time to remember the moment that Jesus saw you, connected with you, and embraced you as he did Zacchaeus. Never lose sight of your need for a Savior. Without Him, we are nothing. We never stop needing the saving grace of Jesus in our lives, right? There's nothing like parenthood to teach me that, like every moment of every day, right? That I need a Savior because I am not doing it right, (laughs) you know? 
Number two, continue to seek Christ as a child. Continue to grow in the Lord. Never stop pursuing him. Don't let what you do not understand about God keep you from, to keep you from putting your whole faith in him, right? Don't let what we, what we don't grasp about the scriptures keep us from embracing the simple truth that we need a savior, right? Embrace the Lord and allow him to sort out your questions as you walk with him, right? And he will. Bring your stuff before God. He, he listens to us, right? He knows what we're going through. He knows what we're facing. He knows the questions we have in our minds. And he's, he's got a whole lifetime to sort those things out with us. And then we have eternity where he's going to sort it out even more, right? Isn't that awesome? Number three, remember that God wants to make room for more children at the table. We must not become so religious that we forget about the saving grace of Jesus. We must not create an environment that says us and no more, right? We must be reminded that God is constantly drawing people to himself and welcoming them into his family. I've heard many say in this church and other churches, I really want our church to say small, but I think the Lord would want to make space, our space, be filled over and over and over and over and over again with souls that are being reached by the love of Jesus. Yeah. Small church is, is, is small vision, I think. Not that we want to grow to a megachurch, that's not my heart. But if we're not growing, then we're not reaching people, right? And so shouldn't we want this place to be filled over and over and over and over and have a thousand services or a million services or whatever? I don't know, that's way too many, but... Because God is drawing people to himself, right? And we can't explain it. We don't understand it. He's just doing it. It's not because we have the best of anything. It's because God, right? So at this point, I'm going to have the worship team come back up and lead us in a final song. And as we do that, I want to pray for us this morning, church. I want to offer to anybody this morning that that maybe you're hearing this message of the gospel. Maybe it's the hundredth time you've heard it. Maybe it's the first time you've heard it. But all of us have that moment when we met Jesus, right? And so maybe that moment for you is today. Maybe it's, I don't know what day of the week it is. I guess Sunday, but I mean, it's the 15th of January. Maybe maybe the 15th of January, 2023 is is your salvation moment. And so I want to open that up this morning. Why don't we close our eyes, church, and Bow our heads. And if for you this morning you've heard this this story of the gospel, this story of Zacchaeus and this really good sinner, and and, and you want to meet this Jesus that you've never encountered before for the very first time, I'd just like you to slip your hand up and I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pass this moment by if there's anybody here who hasn't met Jesus that wants to this morning. For the rest of us, I want to pray over us in a moment. This reality that none of us has it together, right? Isn't that freeing? None of us have it together. We never did, and we never will. But Jesus welcomes us just as we are and spends the rest of our lifetime molding us into who he wants us to be. And so Jesus, we pray that you would remind us daily of the story of when we first met you of our need for a Savior, that we never stop needing you 
every day of our lives. And into eternity, we never stop needing you, God. We, we're going to need you forever and ever and ever in all time, God. And let us, as Jesus does in this passage, make room at the table, God, for the notorious and the really great sinners that are all around us, God. Let us have the problem of too much space because so many people are giving their hearts to Jesus that our church is growing and growing and growing and growing because you are doing something spectacular in our midst, God. Let us be conduits of your love. Let us be lights in the darkness. Let this space at 510 Bernie Street be used for your kingdom, God, in a new and a fresh way, Lord. Let us see you work by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives to draw all people to yourself, God, to this good news that you offer us. We thank you and we praise you for your love and your mercy and your kindness towards us, God. We receive it this morning and we, we just, we love you so much, God, and we just want to be used by you, Lord. We offer all of ourselves back to you and we say, God, do with us what you will. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, church, and we'll, we'll sing this last song.